Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're going to talk about a very important and serious subject this afternoon. We're going to talk about the coronavirus outbreak. What started in December is a, um, a viral outbreak in Wuhan, China, has gone global in just the last few months. And now we're dealing with it here in Ohio. Uh, Governor DeWine, of course, made announcements this past week. In just a few minutes, we'll read some of the, go- the governor's recommendations pertaining to schools and health care facilities. But I thought before we get started, uh, Tucker Carlson of Fox News gave a very important dialogue the other night on the opening of his program. We're going to go to that right now. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. The Chinese coronavirus epidemic turns out to be just that, an epidemic. There's no denying that now. According to the official count, this country has recorded more than 500 cases of the virus and suffered at least 24 deaths. The real number is without question far higher than that. Soon we will have a better sense of just how much higher. By then, this epidemic will have caused economic damage whose effects may dog us for years. People you know will get sick. Some may die. This is real. That's the point of this script, to tell you that. You'll be forgiven if the whole thing snuck up on you as if from nowhere. An obscure virus arising from a meat market in eastern China to sicken American citizens in Oregon and New Hampshire and Illinois and midtown Manhattan. It sounds ridiculous. Nor have our leaders helped us to take it seriously. On the left, you've heard them tell you that the real worry is that you might use the wrong word to describe what's happening to the country. It's racist, they're telling you, to blame the most racist nation in the world for the spread of this virus. Right. Meanwhile, if we're being honest, the other side has not been especially helpful either. People you trust, people you probably voted for, have spent weeks minimizing what is clearly a very serious problem. It's just partisan politics, they say. Calm down. In the end, this is just like the flu, and people die from that every year. Coronavirus will pass, and when it does, we will feel foolish for worrying about it. That's their position. No doubt these people have good intentions, as they say this, many of them anyway. They may not know any better. Maybe they're just not paying attention. Or maybe they believe they're serving some higher cause by shading reality. Nobody wants to be manipulated by a corrupt media establishment, and it is corrupt. And there's an election coming up. Best not to say anything that might help the other side. We we get it. But they're wrong. The Chinese coronavirus is a major event. It will affect your life. And by the way, it's definitely not just the flu. In a typical year, the flu in this country has a mortality rate of about one in a thousand. The overall death rate for this virus, by contrast, is as high as 3.4%. That's 34 times deadlier. But even that number masks the true effect because the mortality is not distributed evenly. For those aged 70 to 79, the death rate is about 8%. For those over 80, it's nearly 15%. Death rates are also higher for those with diabetes, respiratory ailments, or heart conditions. That's a lot of people. So what will things look like once the epidemic matures in America? Well, for answers, consider what's happening in Italy. Italy isn't authoritarian like China, and it's not backward like Iran. It is a modern, developed Western country, in many ways like our country. As of tonight, coronavirus has brought Italy to a standstill. The prime minister has suspended all travel throughout the country, unless it's for work, health, or emergencies. All museums and archaeological sites are closed. All public gatherings have been banned. Sporting events are now canceled entirely for the first time since the Second World War. In effect, the entire country is locked down tonight. Over the weekend, prisoners rioted, causing several deaths. Italy is now suffering almost 100 casualties, people who've died every day from the virus. That's far worse than here. But the only difference likely is time. Early evidence suggests it takes about six days for the number of coronavirus cases to double. If that trend holds here in the United States, it will be just a few weeks until we are where Italy is now. In a few months, if nothing stops the virus, there will be millions of cases here. This is bad more than simply for physical health. The Dow Jones average fell more than 2,000 points today. That's a decline of more than 7.5%. It was the market's worst day since the 2008 financial crisis. It was the fourth worst day since the Great Depression. Grant Thornton, a major accounting firm, is predicting a global recession due to this epidemic and very low growth, if any, here in the United States. If a recession does hit, it will not be so simple to fight it. 
the usual stimulus efforts, tax cuts and lower rates, won't reopen factories that have shut down to contain a virus. It won't get people to eat at closed restaurants or shop in closed malls or attend canceled sporting events. We're going to have a demand problem in this economy, and that's a big deal. In other words, our country is likely to experience a painful period we are powerless to stop. None of this is justification to panic. You shouldn't panic. In crisis, it's more important than ever to be calm. But staying calm is not the same as remaining complacent. It does not mean assuring people that everything will be fine. We don't know that. Instead, it's better to tell the truth. That is always the surest sign of strength. As they level with us, our leaders ought to prepare the public for what may come next. If a recession is coming, we need to save money for the possible effect of that. If travel restrictions are coming, we should know that too. Already, the nonstop Acela train service between New York and Washington, which is critical to a lot of people, has been suspended. The Indian Wells Tennis Tournament in California, one of the largest in the world, has been canceled for this year. The March Madness Basketball Tournament is supposed to start in a couple of weeks, but it could be held in front of empty stands or postponed or canceled as well. In the end, you may be given the option to work from home, but eventually may be ordered to do that. You should know. We should also focus on preparing our healthcare system for the worst. The time of containing coronavirus with widespread testing and individual quarantines, blocking the borders, useful, but that time is over. There are too many cases here now. We cannot stop this epidemic. We can only limit the damage that it does. And that is a report from Fox News' Tucker Carlson just the other night, and again talking about the coronavirus and what is happening. And, of course, here at home, Governor DeWine has made some announcements in the last few days that will affect and does affect us here as the closure of universities and schools and new protocols have been put into place at health care facilities and nursing homes. We'll read that in just a minute, but how did this all get started? Reading from an uh, article here, uh, China, of course, is where it started in uh, the province in the city of Wuhan. It was on December 10th that uh, a, uh, a merchant there at the seed food market in the city of Hunan's market uh, first started to feel sick, thinking she was getting a cold. She walked to a small local clinic to get some treatment and then went back to work. Eight days later, the 57-year-old was barely conscious in a hospital bed, one of the first suspected cases in a coronavirus epidemic that has paralyzed China and gripped the global economy. The virus has spread around the world and sickened more than 100,000. In that report, we learned about Italy. Italy, of course, has over 11,000 cases right now, and the death toll now is 700. And it is actually putting great stress upon the health care system in Italy, and, it, and the country is pretty much in lockdown. On a personal note, I recently traveled to California for a convention and also to visit with family members in the greater Los Angeles area. And I can tell you, for by firsthand experience, for instance, uh, driving down the 405 just past LAX on Friday night, as my brother who's lived in California for 40 years told me, that's normally a traffic jam, and we breezed right by the LAX exits. The airline industry uh, executives have already gone to the White House to ask for help and relief because they are facing the greatest crisis since 9-11, according to airline executives. When we went back to LAX on uh, Sunday to fly out, it looked like a much smaller regional airport rather than the large airport hub that normally has busy traffic. Also, as we toured uh, L.A. Harbor and we went out on a boat uh, to do some whale and dolphin watching before we went home, and uh, we were looking at the number one and two seaports on the West Coast, L.A. Harbor and Long Beach. They were idle. There were just a few ships that were held off bay, anchored, not allowed to come. They were from China, not allowed to come ashore. And that was a very eerie picture to watch the L.A. Harbor, which again is the West Coast's most busy import harbor, literally at a standstill. In addition to that, we toured around and saw the USS Iowa, and two cruise ships were there. We saw the news media. My sister-in-law commented, 
Why is the news media here? Later, we discovered both cruise ships were being held uh, because of suspected cases on those two cruise ships. Later that day, we received a Facebook message by a friend who was on a cruise and coming into Miami and showed pictures of the Coast Guard and the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, holding the ship for a 10-hour period so that it could be evaluated before allowing the uh, participants to disembark. So these measures are being taken across the country, and as we've seen, uh, the virus has now spread globally, uh, not only here in the United States, Russia, China, India, uh, the Middle East, Israel, that depends mightily upon its um, tourism industry, now requires a 14-day quarantine of anyone coming into the country uh, before they can traffic through the country. It all but shut down the Ministry of Tourism in the little nation of Israel that depends so much upon its tourism to bring in the economy into that country. Egypt, of course, and Europe, and Australia— Germany made announcements today and their great concerns about the coronavirus. Is this hysteria or are these measurable uh, responses to to forego what could be a global pandemic? It's been 103 years since the last influenza pandemic that killed millions in 19 in uh, 1917 uh, during World War One. Uh, this is a, a situation in which we've never seen the likes. Uh, I'm in my 60s, and I've never seen where whole universities are being shut down, where we're seeing the kind of responses uh, by government officials uh, to take the precautions needed. Three cases here in Ohio, in Cauga County this last week, caused Governor DeWine to list the following recommendations, and this is from the governor's uh, press release. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine today announced that Ohio Department of Health Director Amy Acton and uh, MPH has uh, recommended that large indoor gatherings in Ohio be canceled or postponed due to the potential for coronavirus exposure. The recommendation comes after consulting with members of the governor's health advisory group composed of several physicians and health care professionals from Ohio Hospital Association. After consulting with experts, we know that the decisions we make in the next few days and weeks will determine how many lives are lost in Ohio and how long this pandemic will last. Therefore, I'm recommending that Ohio limit a variety of large gatherings in order to protect public health, said Governor DeWine. Higher education. Governor DeWine has asked all universities and colleges in Ohio to screen students returning to school from international travel or cruises, including but not limited to students returning from spring break travel. Governor DeWine also asked that a university-sponsored international travel, non-essential travel, and large gatherings be canceled or postponed. Higher education institutions should also consider offering online remote learnings. And as we understand, Kent State University, Ohio uh, State University, among uh, as well as Akron University, has already suspended uh, face-to-face classes and now have opted for the online studies for their students. This is a major breaking story. K through 12. Uh, schools. Governor DeWine is now currently recommending the closure of elementary, middle school, and high schools. However, school administrators should begin planning for that possibility. Parents should also begin planning for the potential that they may need to stay home with their children or find alternate child care solutions. Athletics. Governor DeWine has recommended that all indoor high school, college, and professional sports competitions be held without spectators. He asked that events take place only with athletes, parents, sporting officials, the media right now. Outdoor sporting events can continue as planned. General large gathering. Generally, Governor DeWine recommends that organizations of many events involving a large gathering of individuals in close proximity be canceled or postponed, such as parades. Religious institutions. Governor DeWine recommends that all religious institutions consider limiting practice that could spread germs, such as shaking hands or shaking a communal cup, excuse me, sharing a communal cup of wine during communion. Those in faith-based communities who are at risk 
should consider staying home. Faith-based communities should also consider appropriate outreach to those who may not be able to attend regular services. Nursing homes. Because nursing homes house Ohio's most high-risk residents, we are recommending that nursing homes screen all visitors, including volunteers and vendors, for symptoms of contagious illnesses. Adult and juvenile correction facilities. Governor DeWine has ordered that visitations at Ohio's adult and juvenile correction facilities be suspended. Contractors who are not critical to the workings of the facility will not be granted entrance. Those who are permitted into these facilities will be screened for symptoms of illness and must submit to a temperature reading. We received that report at my mom's nursing home yesterday. As we've been in travel in the last 11 days, they've asked us to be uh, for 14 days not to go to the facility. Those who are visiting will be have their temperatures taken uh, before entering the facility. These are precautions to actually safeguard against the most vulnerable, and that is our elderly. Ohio is an aging state, and we have many nursing homes across the state. In Washington State, where the coronavirus broke out in the one nursing home with high fatality rates, there are reports that now upwards of 10 nursing homes have now been infected or have uh, those with coronavirus uh, as residents in those homes. There's also another unconfirmed report of a case out of Stark County. We'll have to see what comes of that. We are told that an individual may have shown symptoms since February 25th and were in the circulating in the populace. This is beyond the three that were detected in Cuyahoga County. Well, Again, these are reasons why we are taking the precautions here in Ohio. We don't know how many people have contracted, come in contact with those who have contracted the disease coronavirus. We're going to go to an audio clip right now, again, from Fox News about the Italian situation, because I think that's a bellwether of what we might uh, try to stop from coming here to the homeland. Meanwhile, an unprecedented move in Italy as the coronavirus continues to spread. The prime minister has put a total lockdown for all 60 million people until next month. Italy has the biggest cluster of cases outside of China with at least 463 deaths and more than 7,300 infected patients at this time. Amy Kellogg is live in Florence this morning. Hey, Amy. Hi, Sandra. Well, there have been rolling and regional restrictions over the past few weeks here, as as you're well aware. But the prime minister really took Italians by surprise as they were tucking into their dinners last night by saying, I have a new decree for the whole nation, and that can be summarized as I will stay at home. Now, it is not clear how stringent these new rules will be, how they will be enforced, uh, but a document, a sort of permission slip that needs to be filled out by every person uh, who chooses to move around has been published. It has to go to the Interior Ministry and be approved. Now, it's ju- not just movement anymore into and out of northern Italy that is being restricted. Again, theoretically now the entire country of Italy is under lockdown. There will no longer be a red zone. There will no longer be a zone one or a zone two on our peninsula. There will be Italy. Italy, that is a protected zone. People obviously became very panicked last night after hearing about this, about having enough provisions. There are lines outside supermarkets where they are letting people in in small numbers and really enforcing that three-foot distance rule. The situation outside prisons, meanwhile, remains tense, with police wary of further disturbances after riots broke out in two dozen prisons after restrictions on gatherings and visitations there were announced uh, for prisons. And that remains calm this morning, however, very tense. Now, again, Sandra, it is not clear exactly how this is going to work out. I snuck out to get a few provisions this morning, and there are a lot of sort of holes and inconsistencies in how it's all working. But basically, the idea is that in order to limit the spread of cases here, what the government is trying its best to do is limit contact between people so nobody is kind of expanding their circle either inadvertently or on purpose. Amy Kellogg in Florence for us this morning. Amy, thank you. And again, that was another report of what is uh, happening in Italy uh, by Fox News reporting. But we also have an update here from Dr. Anthony uh, 
Fucci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases here in the United States, told lawmakers this morning during a House Oversight Committee hearing uh, that the disease caused by the uh, coronavirus is probably about 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. President Trump has often compared uh, coronavirus to the flu, which affects tens of thousands of Americans each year, in effect, to calm people down. But uh, Fuki, uh, Dr. Fuki clearly wasn't trying to downplay the seriousness of the virus spread. Uh, Dr. Fuki is a member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. At the same time, he did clarify that 10 times figure actually brings the new coronavirus fatality rate lower than official estimates, which hover around 3%. The flu has a mortality rate of about 0.1%. So when considering the likelihood that there are many uh, asthmatic or very mild cases that have gone undiagnosed, uh, uh, Dr. Fuki places the new coronavirus literally rate at some around 1%. While that's a good deal lower than the current data suggests, it still would lead to significant numbers of fatalities and makes the flu comparison seem pretty questionable. And that was a report uh, earlier today, again, uh, from uh, Dr. Anthony uh, Fucci, again, uh, who is the doctor of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases in the Trump administration. So, uh, in a few minutes on the other side, I want you to hang with me because we're going to have an official from the Ohio Department of Health. That is Ben Robinson, who is in charge of preparedness and response at the Ohio Department of Health. He was with the governor today in the press conference. He will be sharing with us in detail uh, some more updates, so I don't want you to go away. Now, how should we approach all this? Certainly not to panic and not to have hysteria, but we bring you this information on News and Focus so that you might be informed. We also uh, want you to take the kind of precautions that government officials are asking you to do, washing your hands, limiting contact, um, in uh, groups in uh, large places uh, at this time, as it's unknown how uh, widespread uh, those infected are circulating among the populace here in Ohio. So, you know, taking those actual precautions is going to be helpful. And, of course, uh, doing what you normally would do, you know, wash your hands and, you know, don't touch your your hands to your face and eyes and those kinds of things and uh, avoid maybe uh, going out into large crowds at this time. And, of course, you know, some events have been canceled. So you'll want to look for for those uh, types of activities uh, of what's being scheduled in your area. We want you also, of course, to know that we have a primary coming up on Tuesday, March 17th. We want to encourage you to get out and vote and to find information about the primary. Of course, some polling locations have changed that were in nursing homes. Uh, uh, Frank LaRose, uh, Secretary of State, about 138 precincts have been changed out of the nursing homes because of the coronavirus outbreak. So that information will be on the Secretary of State's website site. The Ohio Christian Alliance will have special links for voter guide information, uh, polling location on our website at ohioca.org. You want to visit that. We do have some limited primary voter guide information there you want to check out before you head to the polls on Tuesday, March 17th. Well, as we said, hang uh, tight. On the other side, we'll be back with Ben Robinson from the Ohio Department of Health to give us a clear picture of what's happening at this time. Thanks for listening. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. 
The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. TrustBlueReview. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Okay, we're back, and we're continuing to talk about the coronavirus and uh, the preparations that are taking place here in the state of Ohio with Governor DeWine's announcement. With me on the phone from the Ohio Department of Health is Ben Robinson. He is in charge of preparedness and response at the Ohio Department of Health. Uh, Ben, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. Uh, Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Great. Were you with the governor today at the press conference? Uh, no, sir. I was actually uh, positioned at our state emergency operations center, or what we call the state EOC, helping to lead coordination efforts uh, with other state agencies to ready ourselves for response to COVID-19. Very good. Uh, ben, we want to thank you for your service to our state at this time. And of course, a lot of people will be looking to the Ohio Department of Health. And that's why we have you on today to bring attention to this subject, because there is a number of uh misinformation out there for people. We don't want to uh, create uh, you know, a hysteria or uh, an undue alarm, but certainly take the type of precautions that are needed. And I think that uh, Governor DeWine is responding in that way. So we weren't able to uh, get the uh, feed on the uh, press conference this afternoon. I do believe it was delayed. It was originally scheduled at 2 p.m. Uh, the governor did uh, make. Was there anything in addition from what he announced yesterday on March 10th in the response? Because I did read that to the listeners as well. So if your listeners weren't able to listen to the uh, to the press conference, what we did announce today was that there were four that we had a fourth confirmed case, so one additional confirmed case of COVID nineteen in Ohio. Um, this was a gentleman in Stark County, um, and this uh, this case represented the first instance of community spread here in Ohio. Um, for your list, may not be familiar with that term. Community spread essentially means that we that contracted it from an unknown source. So had they had contact with a traveler who came from an area. And we knew about that that traveler. That would be a different thing. This is that they. This means that they acquired it from somewhere within their community. Um, and so, in, in, because of this uh, this identification of community spread, the governor also announced that there will be forthcoming restrictions on mass gatherings uh, related to an order that will be signed by uh, Dr. Amy Acton, our director of health, uh, later on today, or um, uh, in, in the coming days. Excuse me. Very good. We are talking with Ben Robinson again. He is uh, with the Ohio Department of Health. We are getting an update uh, from the governor's uh, team pertaining to coronavirus uh, here in Ohio and the pre- preparations that are taking place and how health uh, officials and um, uh, different uh, schools and entities are responding to it. Uh, you just confirmed for us, I re, uh, basically announced in the first uh, uh, part of the hour that there was an unconfirmed case out of Stark County, and you just confirmed that. Uh, we d- were receiving reports that the individual actually began uh, having symptoms on February 25th. 
before being diagnosed. So he also was out circulating in the community. So again, these are reasons for people to take the proper precautions of hand washing, try to avoid uh, public gatherings, uh, and and take those kinds of precautions. Uh, ben, what else uh, should folks know about uh, at this time? So I think that um, what you've mentioned are really good measures. Um, as the governor has indicated in previous press conferences, this is a time to begin to think about uh, the need for additional public health actions. So as we look at this, uh, you may you've already heard uh, about restrictions to um, sports events with the Ohio uh, Athletic Association, Ohio High School Athletic Association. Um, we are also encouraging people to begin to think about what it might mean if schools had to be closed for COVID-19 and how families might make those preparations. Uh, the other thing to think about, too, um, is what your family structure is like. So if you are a family that is caring for someone who has uh, particular risk factors for COVID-19, uh, they are an older person or they have uh, certain health conditions, uh, like a like a respiratory condition, a chronic respiratory condition, um, or heart conditions, they may be at greater risk for impacts from COVID-19. And so uh, the, the advice that's being given is, if you are a near person like that, to, to conduct yourself as if you uh, are a person with great risk for COVID-19, so that you prepare yourself uh, to, to uh, serve them well. And so we begin to think holistically about this, uh, we're encouraging folks to, you know, be ready to stay home if they get sick. And so if you do get sick, you know, have on hand already the cold medicines that you like so that you don't have to go to the store. Um, maybe begin to work with your networks. If you don't have enough food, work with your networks, your community networks, your churches, to begin to identify folks who can support you if you needed to get milk or eggs. And to begin to think long-term about how you as a, as a family would navigate through this, this time. Um, as we've said all along, we don't want any people, anyone to panic. This is definitely just a time for preparedness. But having our eyes open about the, the proactive steps we can take will help all of us to navigate this more effectively. And, and for us, um, especially in the faith community, we have an opportunity to think about others ahead of ourselves and, and to find ways to not uh, transmit that illness by taking these steps right now. Oh, that's right. That, that's some really good uh, practical um suggestions and for people to think about others. Uh, if you have an elderly person in your neighborhood, uh, you just might want to give them a call on the phone, uh, just making sure that they're okay. Um, again, trying to avoid personal contact, but at the same time, uh, checking in on folks to provide for them in the event that they do fall ill and are needing something from the store uh, or in some other fashion from healthcare services. Uh Ben, let me ask you, obviously the governor has put together a team of people of experts in the medical field to talk about this. What demand that, that this could, we pray, and that's another reason why we're bringing this to the attention here on News and Focus to the faith community, is so people can pray and, and be prepared, and um, so that uh, they don't panic, and that, you know, knowledge is power in that sense, and so... Um, the the governor's brought together some experts. What what how is the healthcare uh, facilities in Ohio preparing for this? Because if there is a greater demand, obviously for those who will need to be hospitalized to have a more acute case of coronavirus, if indeed does go that way. Your thoughts? Yeah, thanks very much. Um, one of the things that we're encouraging folks to do is, is you know that will help to keep. That, that will help to keep our resources online is uh, to really make sure that as you are seeking care, first and foremost, that you're engaging your primary care physician and communicating any potential symptoms that you think could be related to COVID-19 first. Now, the reason I'm saying this first before I get into those preparations is that by, by taking these precautions, it allows the plans that these facilities have put into place to be effectively utilized. So hospitals um, are making preparations so that if you do show up with symptoms, they can get you to a place away from other individuals so that you don't expose those individuals when you come into the facility. Your primary care physician is thinking about how when you arrive to their, uh, to their office, they can take you away to another room so that you're not exposing folks in the waiting room. But what we can do is to help them to implement those plans by calling ahead and letting them know that we are coming in. We think we might have symptoms consistent with COVID-19, and that will help them to receive us well. So when we arrive, they'll have the proper protective equipment, what we call 
personal protective equipment or PPE uh, so that they are not exposed when you're there. Um, they may give you some recommendations about things you can do upon your arrival so that you arrive well. And then they'll walk through a series of steps to get you the, the appropriate level of care and as it's appropriate to also get you connected with testing so that we can confirm um, as it's appropriate to do so that your infection is caused by COVID-19 or something else that may also be in the community. Well, that's right. This is normally flu season, and uh, people, you know, uh, have the flu in various stages of it, maybe some bronchitis, that kind of thing, uh, you know, some uh, uh, sinus affections, as, you know, normally uh, happen this time of year. Uh, how would someone know that they have the coronavirus, uh, or COVO-19, as it's now being called? Uh, I've been reading, it talks about a dry cough, maybe fatigue. Is fever also associated with uh, the the uh, with the virus. So there are three primary symptoms that are being linked to COVID nineteen, and the three that are highlighted are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. But as you've noted, uh, you just mentioned influenza, and that's an important thing to to highlight is that until you engage your primary care physician, we as individual lay people may not necessarily be sure what is causing those three symptoms if we have any one of those three. So. If you encounter those symptoms, really what that is is a trigger to engage your primary care physician so that you can take the appropriate steps uh, under medical advisement to, uh, to get the care and the treatment that you need. Um, if you are like the vast majority of people who uh, have contracted COVID-19, you may not have a substantial impact to your health. And they may advise you to go home, stay away from people, let the, let the illness run its course, and when you are safe to return, in your community, then you'll be able to do that with, with the support of your primary care physician. But if you do need additional support, then you'll have the network by engaging them up front to make sure that you get the right care that you need. Again, we are talking with uh, Ben Robinson with the Ohio Department of Health, and he is uh, overseeing the preparedness and response. Uh, and, of course, we're dealing with the coronavirus. Um how is uh, the Ohio team, uh, the Ohio Department of Health, and the governor's office and the officials uh, coordinating with the CDC nationally? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, and let me, let me say this too. I, I will tell you, my last name is actually Robison. I don't get to make this joke very often, but it's just like James Robison, the televangelist. Not, not all audiences will get that, but I imagine that yours will. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I don't believe we're related, but. Um, but to answer your question... He is one of my favorites, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Um, so to, to answer your question, the CDC is coordinating... Uh, we're coordinating with the CDC, excuse me, on a regular basis. So the CDC has uh, a number of avenues through which they are reaching out to states. There are a number of calls, both general calls for folks that do what I do with preparedness and response um, and, and other things within the agency, as well as specific calls related to things like epidemiology or medical care and treatment. So we're definitely engaging through those avenues. Um, we also are connected through direct points of contact that we have in our program area. So we have the ability to reach out to folks in the federal government and to get additional feedback or, or questions answered um, as they arise. So we've, we've had the, the benefit of being able to work closely with the CDC throughout this response. Um, and we continue to engage them, not just at the general level, but also through each of our specialties. A number of the colleges and universities have uh, announced uh, the suspension of face-to-face uh, -face classes and have now opted for online studies. Uh, Kent State University, Ohio State University, Akron University, there may be others. We actually got a message from Villanova University over in uh, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. Our son attends, and in fact, is a senior at Villanova. And uh, just this afternoon, the announcement came down that they were suspending uh, classes and that they would be uh, opting for the online studies. Uh, and they're looking uh, actually now through... Uh, the break period into the first part of April. So what's happening with the colleges and universities here in Ohio, uh, and how long will this uh, suspension of uh, actual assembly of classes take place? We're talking three, four weeks. What's the status on that, Ben? Yeah, so thanks for bringing that up. Uh, we really commend the universities who took uh, the action following uh, Governor DeWine's announcement yesterday, his recommendation to, to take this step and I think this reflects a, a commitment on the part of our colleges and universities to put the health of their students first. Um, at this point, I, I know that some universities have included timelines and some uh, may not have. 
Um, we continue to monitor the situation closely so that we make sure that the, the interventions that we take uh, are effectively employed for as long as they need to be. And so I know that um, the universities are continue to work closely with the administration um, and, and continue to ensure that they're doing the best thing that they can for their students. You know, Ben, uh, seven years ago when the uh, H1N1 uh, or the swine flu broke out and, uh, you know, some would criticize actually the administration back then, which was the Obama administration, that they didn't do enough, uh, quickly enough, uh, to stem the tide of that. I mean, that hit our family very hard. I remember staying up in a very scary night with my son who was in high school at the time. Uh, with very shallow breathing, his mother's a nurse, and I, w- I was I was deathly ill with it, and so was my other son, and I was monitoring all three of us as best I could. He was uh, diagnosed with pneumonia. Uh, the other uh, son was diagnosed with bronchitis as well as I was, and I I normally don't go to the doctor. You have to uh, drag me kicking and fighting, but that uh, time I did, uh, and that was the only time I actually had antibiotics. Uh, I think something like 30, 40 years. So I know what this is like when something like this hits you as a family, and um, it's pretty scary. And so, uh, thankfully, we kind of prayed through and got through it. None of us were hospitalized. We were under medical care, though. Um, So what would you advise people who are reluctant to go to the hospital or a medical professional uh, if, indeed, their symptoms become more acute? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And and I I think that, you know, sometimes, sometimes... those, that reluctance can be for a variety of reasons, right? Now, sometimes people just don't like doctors. But in a scenario like this, having proper care will position you to have the best possible outcomes that you can have. Um, what we also understand from COVID-19 is that it doesn't always progress the way you think that it might. And so having uh, physicians available who can help you to, uh, to take the next uh, step in your care and to potentially um, uh, move you into a medical facility if that's a requirement, is an important thing uh, for you to be able to do. So I know that there may be some reluctance, but I believe that uh, that this is an important first step um, uh, to doing this. The other thing to say, too, and this comes back to what we said earlier, is that by taking these steps and getting that good medical counsel, it also positions you to have the information you need to, to keep the rest of the community safe. So if your, your family member, your child, your spouse, um, happens to be sick and it's confirmed to be COVID-19, that may also have impacts on the rest of your family. So positioning yourselves to be available to support your family in your home during the illness, but also to ensure that you don't inadvertently, uh, through lack of knowing, infect somebody else, that would be another reason to go. And so if, if you just think about maybe it's not the thing you want to do, but putting others ahead of yourself will allow you to get the care you need, not only for your own benefit, but also potentially for the benefit of others around you. Excellent. We're talking with Ben Robinson of the uh, Ohio Department of Health, and he heads up the preparedness and response from the Ohio Department of Health. We're going to give you a website, a phone number, and a way to uh, track more current information on the other side of the break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. 
Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Okay, and welcome back. Uh, we're talking with Ben Robison again. He is uh, with the Ohio Department of Health, and he is in charge of preparedness and response at the Ohio Department of Health, and we're dealing with the coronavirus outbreak uh, and, of course, hoping to limit it here in Ohio with uh, precautions that have been put in place by the governor uh, with the suggestions that came from the Ohio Department of Health and the Center for Disease Control. Uh, ben, let's give that website so people can follow online at the Ohio Department of Health. They could just Google that, Ohio Department of Health, or odh.ohio.gov. And do you know the uh, phone number by memory yet, Ben, that's been placed up? I do, I do. So I want to give you two resources. So you definitely, absolutely can go to our main website and find stuff on, on COVID-19. But we also have a statewide website uh, called coronavirus.ohio.gov that will also get you additional information. I so, see that. Um, I, those are good. And, and the other, the, web, the uh, phone number is uh, for our call center. If you have questions about COVID-19, you can call 833-4-ASK-O-D-H. Again, that's 833-4, the number 4, ASK-O-D-H. And if you want the numbers, those numbers are 427-5634. Uh, Four two seven five six three four. Well, absolutely. Let's just do a quick review before we let you go. So, again, if someone has symptoms, what might they be experiencing, Ben? So, there are three main symptoms that we're looking for. Those are fever, cough, and shortness of breath. And then, uh, what should folks do as far as uh, preparation? Just the kind of precautions: washing hands, don't uh, touch your uh, face with your hands, uh, avoid crowded places. What are the other things that people can think about? Yeah, you can you can think about getting supplies that will help you to stay home when you're sick. Um, you can engage your primary care physician if you do develop symptoms. Um, begin to think about your neighbors and your communities. Um, and I want to say uh, that communities of faith. Uh, are, are uniquely positioned to be a resource not only to their congregates, but also to those within the community. So mm. as you begin to think about those who may not have connections to individuals who can help them to resupply if they're homesick or um, who may uh, be out of work because uh, they have to stay home with kids if we see school cancellations down the road, the church is, is uniquely positioned to be able to fill those needs. And so thinking about how, not just from an individual perspective, um, but also to the broader community perspective and, and what the role the church might be able to have there is, is a unique opportunity that is available to communities of faith. Absolutely. Ben, thank you so much for being my guest today. This is very helpful, and we're so glad our listeners were able to uh, hear you today. And, of course, we appreciate the governor and all the work that the Ohio Department of Health is doing during this crisis. Thank you so much, my friend. Chris, thanks so much for having me. It was a pl- uh, privilege and a pleasure. Have a great rest, rest of your program. Thank you. God bless. Again, that was Ben Robinson with the Ohio Department of Health, and you can follow them online at Ohio Department of Health or odh.ohio.gov. The number to call again is 833-427-5634. Let me give it to you again. 833-427-5634. And on our website at ohioca.org or Ohio Christian Alliance, we'll be posting up the governor's recommendation list and some other information on coronavirus and the preparedness here in the state of Ohio. I wanted to close the program, though, by reading from a portion of Scripture that gives us hope and gives us some security from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. 
A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I, I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is from Psalm 91. It is such a powerful verse of Scripture to hold on to, where it says, And no plague shall come nigh thy dwelling. Claim that promise for your family over your habitation, and uh, God richly bless you as uh, he blesses his children. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, this is a good time to call out to him and uh, to find out more. Uh, You can visit our website at ohioca.org. That's the Ohio Christian Alliance. Of course, the primary election is coming up on Tuesday, and we'll have information on uh, some of the primary voter guides will be there, also about polling locations information as well. You want to visit that at ohioca.org. If you missed any of today's program, a very important one about the coronavirus, you can also hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. And sign up for our email list so you can receive updates on a regular basis. God bless you. Thanks for listening and have a great week. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.